The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we are striving this week, as every week, to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And I know it's summer, 4th of July has just passed, and it's it's warm out, and there's lots to do outside, days are longer, and that doesn't mean you should not be attending the meetings at your local real estate investors association over the summer, because there are always great topics going on there year-round, wherever you are, and it's so sad to see folks just kind of drift away in the summertime from the RIA groups, and then they come back in the fall, and they've lost three months of deal finding and getting units ready to rent and all of those sorts of things. we got some great stuff coming up here in the greater Cincinnati area over the course of the next couple of months. Uh, next Thursday at the RIA meeting, we have uh, Matt Reed, who you all heard here on Real Life Real Estate about a month ago. He's the lease option guy. He's the guy who buys properties with private money and fixes them up and puts lease option tenants in them who eventually cash him out after a few years of giving him like a $400 a month positive cash flow. So um, great presentation for folks who are looking to kind of do something in between the quick flip and the buy and hold on to forever. You can find out more about that at CincinnatiRia.com. The other, the other big deal thing that we have coming up, uh, here real soon is August the 12th and 13th. Cincinnati Rhea is co-sponsoring the um, How to Retire Rich Then and Sexy two-day IRA workshop. I just made that up. It's not really what it's called, but that's what it should be called. It's a two-day workshop about how to make real estate and real estate-related investments in your self-directed IRA or 401k or Coverdale Education Savings Account, if you're saving up money for kids' college tuitions, or in your health savings account. And uh, that is actually going to be held in Columbus, Ohio, uh, but it is open to anyone who gets themselves registered before the 120 seats that are available run out. Again, more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. And that, by the way, is one that is going to be worth coming to even if you have to fly in or drive four hours to get here or something because those those kinds of workshops where it's not just the technical parts of IRAs, it's also the how do I, how do I buy rentals in my IRA? How do I get financing if I'm buying properties in my IRA? 
uh, are hard to come by. And they're particularly hard to come by at the tiny little price that nonprofit groups like Cincinnati Rhea charge for a two-day seminar. So check that out at CincinnatiRhea.com. Today we have a topic that in 20 years on the air, we have never talked about (laughs) on Real Life Real Estate. And I just... I, I, you know, it stunned me when I realized that, you know, every, every month I sit down with my, with my right hand gal, Sarah, and we go, all right, what should we talk about on real life real estate? And I'm, it's never dawned on me before to talk about condos as investment properties. Now we've talked about, we've talked about taking apartment buildings and converting them into condos. We've had questions about condos, but we've never actually sat down and said, what would they be like as a rental property? Well, luckily for me, uh, about six weeks ago, I was up in the Hartford, Connecticut area speaking for a great little organization called CT RIA, and I met the uh, founder of that group, Linda Baumgarten, and we started talking about what did she do in her real estate business. And I mean, she does a lot of things. She's She rehabs, she's She's an investor. She coaches other real estate investors. She's an author, and she's been doing this for 25 years. But one of the things that she said that she liked to do was buy condos and hold on to them for rentals. And so then a whole conversation ensued because you know what it's like when real estate geeks sit down together. It's just like we can't talk about anything else. And it ended with, Linda, you got to come on the radio and tell people how this works. So uh, she is joining us from her home in Connecticut by phone. Linda, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome, and I'm I'm glad you could I'm glad you could make it. I love it when I can just talk to a real life investor who you know you you don't have a course about this, although you should <laughs> you should create one because nobody else has one either. Um, it, this is just something that you kind of figured out by doing, and uh, it's something that I think a lot of a lot of real estate investors don't even look at because they don't know anyone else who's doing it. Right, it's kind of mm-hmm. like it's kind of like a calf path. I, I don't buy yep. condos because I've never heard of anybody who's bought condos. So today we're just going to talk about what some of the pros and cons and things to look for might be for somebody out there who's looking to do something a little bit different. And let's uh, let's begin by talking a little bit about the Hartford market, the the area that you live in. Is you know I don't it's a small enough city that I'm not sure a lot of people know. Is it? Expensive, cheap, booming, unemployment, lots of employment. <laughs> what's what's it like there? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, what's going on here in Connecticut is that we're an older state, kind of like Ohio. So uh, we lost a lot of jobs before the recession. We haven't really recovered all of them since. Uh, so that's always a challenge. But the other thing is that Connecticut is small. And so there's no more land being created, so that keeps the value of properties high. Uh, and the other thing that's interesting about us is that we kind of entered the whole foreclosure thing after the rest of the sta- uh, rest of the country. So we still have plentiful REOs and short sale opportunities that we're still working through. Interesting. And, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and, and, and real estate in some ways is really region-specific. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not it's not region-specific how do I find deals or how do I rehab a property or how do I sell a property? But, but when you get into things like the numbers and where are we in the economic cycles and so on, you know, Texas is just different than California is just different than Ohio, which is another reason I always encourage people to uh, make sure that they are going to their local real estate investors meetings because 
you can't find out stuff like that, like, you know, what's happening specifically here in this city um, on bigger pockets. I mean, you just, it's, which is a, right. a fine organization. It's just that, you know, it, it's being with people who are actually on the ground and doing stuff in your market that gets you the real idea of what's going on in your market. So, so why condos? What, what was it that got you started investing in those? Well, it, it just happened to come on, on the, planet actually when i was first starting and it, the really cool thing about it was that i didn't have to worry about the roof or the siding or the decks all i had to and i i didn't know how i don't i still don't really know what a hammer looks like so i don't do rehab myself i write checks for people to do that for me um so the cool thing about a condo is i only had to worry about the uh you know the inside the you know the carpet the paint uh i didn't even have to replace the cabinets on that one so i found one and I did all that work, and then we were able to rent it out and made like 250 bucks a month cash flow. And then I was able, I happened to catch it at the right part of the cycle without knowing what I was doing, fortunately, and doubled our money in about five years. Hmm. So that was really cool. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. And I, the reason why I really recommend it now is because I run into a lot of people who are similar to me in that regard about not knowing a lot about rehabbing. And also just a lot of people that are working full-time, and they have kids at home, and they just don't have a whole lot of time to devote to, say, rehabbing. And so this is uh, an easier way of doing things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about um, some of the some of the advantages of condos, but also some things that folks need to look out for because condos are not the same as a single family home on its own lot with its own deed and so on. So we're gonna we're gonna cover those things and also take listener questions at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. That's the number if you want to call in. And of course, if you call in almost guaranteed we're going to be able to get to your question 877-772-9658 you can also just send an email just go to askvina at gmail.com welcome back to real life real estate investing remember you can always stay in touch with real life real estate through our website at realliferealestate.com when you go there, you will find podcasts of our last umpteen zillion shows. I don't even want to think about how many shows we have done in the past 21 years. But uh, uh, um, actually, this show predates iTunes. You realize that, don't wow. you, Mike? That's, that's... <laughs> Mike, Mike and I have been doing this show since, since we would record it on cassette tapes. And and that was that was how we had uh, uh yeah that boy I shouldn't have said that I'm on record as saying boy I'm old um anyway so uh since iTunes was around we've got you know hundreds and hundreds of podcasts there on realliferealestate.com also uh anytime you're like between shows and you suddenly think of a question you go boy I'd like to hear the answer to that there's a place there to ask questions which are then. Uh, answered here on the program when we get to a question and answer week typically there's also usually a special offer of some sort for real life real estate listeners right now it is a one dollar wholesale quick start course um, I'll just say that that usually goes for a whole 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 lot more money than that but as a thank you to listeners uh, it's up there and you just pay a buck and we'll send you a download with a whole course about things you need to do to 
start wholesaling, um, assuming that you already kind of know what wholesaling is. So that's realliferealestate.com. My guest today is Linda Baumgarten, and she is from Connecticut RIA. CT RIA is the name of her organization up there, which uh, I think is about to celebrate its 14th anniversary. So yeah, hooray to CT RIA. <laughs> and Thanks. hooray to you, because I know it's a lot, a lot of work to run a real estate association. Um, we're talking today about her uh, her business of investing in condos as like investments, as opposed to just you know, flat out flipping them. And Linda, you mentioned a couple of things about what you like about them. You said um, generally the homeowners association is going to take care of stuff that's outside the wall. So snow removal, landscaping, grass cutting. A lot of times um, I had a condo at one point where literally everything outside the walls was the condo association. So when the decks started to go bad, the homeowners association came around and replaced them. Like that wasn't even my problem. The thing that we always have to look at with these is the homeowners association agreement. And that's, I I think that's a a key learning for anybody who wants to go at this is that they're not all the same. That's right. That's right. So it's all local. It's condo association to condo association. So you definitely need to read that when, before you buy something, you need to order something called the condo docs. Right, that's what we call them around here. It usually runs somewhere between $75 and $150. And you want to read those carefully uh, for that. Plus, you know, how many pets are you allowed to have? You know, one of our uh, students was selling a condo and they had too many pets, so they couldn't buy it. So you have to find out how many pets are allowed and, uh, you know, other restrictions that they might have in that association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is that is no joke because I had a student who became very, very, very close to accidentally buying a condo in a building where it turned out you weren't allowed to own unless you were over 55 years old. Ah, yes. Yep. <laughs> and there's And sometimes you'll find restrictions about uh, can you rent. That's a really big one because, uh, well, first of all, if you want to get a mortgage on a on a condo, uh, many many people, if you're not putting down at least 20%, you're going to want to get a mortgage with private mortgage insurance. And PMI lately, or for the past seven years, I guess, really hasn't liked condos too much. And so they look really at how many owners are there. It used to be uh, 50-50, like you needed to have at least 50% of the condos owned by owners. I think they changed the rules last year so that you only need 35% owners. But, of course, the more owners you have, probably the more, uh, you know, the better the quality of the the whole condo complex. And when I was just shopping down in Georgia, I had to look at the listings very carefully because they actually put in the listing, is it rent restricted? Mm -hmm. So it may be that they've already hit their quota of rentals and they can't allow anybody else to come in and rent a, a property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although there is an option there uh, that I've used mm-hmm. once or twice, which is if you live in a state like Ohio, where you can sell on land contract and actually mm-hmm. get the property back pretty easily if it defaults, a land contract's not a rental. So many times in, in those kinds of situations, you could sell it and carry back financing or do a land contract or something like that as as an option. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the HOA to me is kind of the, the, the homeowner association is kind of the make or break in these um, in these situations, because um, I know you've seen them and I've certainly seen them. Uh, some of these 
these projects, some of these condominium complexes are not very well managed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a big issue. Uh, in fact, a lot of them, one of the other things you want to check if you're buying is, is it FHA approved or HUD approved, which means it'll be easy for, say you want to buy, fix, and sell it, it makes it a lot easier for somebody to get a mortgage on that unit if it is HUD or FHA approved. And that has a lot to do with, do they have enough money in reserves to take care of their capital improvements? Mm -hmm. And that's a big issue because a lot of these were built in the 80s or 90s. And believe it or not, that's, you know, 40 years ago, which is shocking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Mm So that it's been that long. So that that's a a real issue. And uh, with and here's the thing with any property you're going to buy, you're going to look at the physical condition of the exterior of it. Uh, with the condo association, you have to wait around for the homeowners association to decide that it's uh, important enough and they have enough money to fix those things. Whereas if you're buying your own multifamily or single-family property, you get to decide when you're going to fix those things. Mm-hmm. So you are subject to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity, I say opportunity, uh, I passed on it as it turned out, but uh, there, there was an opportunity here in the uh, Cincinnati area about a year ago to buy an entire 80-unit condo mm. building because the condo association was insolvent. Mm. And the way that that had, that had come about was it was not professionally managed. It was, you know, a bunch of the people who were on the, who were lived there were on the board and they kept not agreeing to raise their own fees to pay for stuff that needed to be paid for. And long story short, there was a $50,000 water bill Mm. on the property and the water department shut off everybody's water. And, you know, once that happens, it's like all the value has just been taken out of your quote investment and you had no control over it. So are they solvent? Is it professionally managed? Does it, does it look like things are being taken care of or not? I, I think has got to be huge in your decision making uh, about am I even going to go after this property at any price? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know when I uh, when I bought these two down in Georgia, the first thing I saw was that the uh, the parking lot was not in the best condition of all conditions, and so that. You know, so then I start asking a whole bunch of questions like how much money do you have in reserves and what's the plan? And, yes, it's in a turnaround uh, situation that should improve over the next couple of years because of the people that are on the board and what they're doing. But fortunately, they did have quite a bit of money in reserves, so they are making the important moves that they need to make. So all the, just ask a lot of questions is, is really, really important for you. The other thing that if you're living in a big city, uh, what a lot of times some of these buildings are converting over from a, from a multifamily house into a condo. So you could have a three-family house, and then that becomes a condo because that's all that is is a legal uh, distinction. The, the challenges you have with that is, say it's a three-family, you've got to get along with your two neighbors and make sure there's enough money being put aside to fix the roof when the time has come, and that can get kind of hairy. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I really think if you've got professionally managed and at least 50 units, then, you know, then you've got a better chance. Fewer personalities are as critical mm-hmm. as when you're only dealing with two to ten people. Uh, just got a question in via email from Christine, and this is a good one. She said, how would I know if a condo is professionally managed? What sort of questions would I ask? 
Yeah, that's a great question. There's no directory that I know of, so you have to ask either the real estate agent or the seller, you know, who are you paying your condo fees to, and then uh, and then you go from there. And the, it's usually that they'll, they'll tell you the name of the association that's managing it, and and uh, so. And one of ones we have a big big company here that manages a bunch of different condo associations, and so they have all the bookkeeping, and they send out all the letters, and they send, and they also have lots of rules <laughs> that you have to follow. Um, but you know that the property is going to get well taken care of, so you just have to ask questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. So you like condos because they are easier to rehab since you're really kind of worried about what's inside the walls more so or you know <laughs> between the walls is what i mean by that more so yeah. than i mean usually the the association takes care of the plumbing and the roof and the outside yeah. stuff and all that so what can go wrong is limited what it costs you to fix it is limited mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that landlords don't like taking care of like mowing the lawns is taken care of what are some other things that you look at when you are buying? You know, for instance, um, how do you figure out how do you figure out if you're paying a good price? Well, that's a really great question. So that's the other thing that I like about condominiums. That where I live in New England, there are very few developments where a builder comes in and they build track homes of 100 to 200 houses, and they all look alike, and so they all have the same value. Where I live, every house is different, and every house has a different value, and trying to figure out what the comparables are is a challenge. So uh, condos, again, they were all built at the same time by the same builder. They only have a couple of different styles within the complex, and so it's pretty easy to go back and look and see at recent sales to see what they sold for. And you can also pull up what the condition of the property, you know, the condo was when they sold it to see, oh, well, that was fixed up to the nine, so that sold for 125000 So I should be able to sell this one for 125000 or more uh, once it's all fixed up. So it does make that a whole lot easier to, to figure out, mm-hmm. which is another thing that I like about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, of course, um, if you're going to hold it for any period of time, <laughs> whether it's, whether it's going to be a full-on yeah. rental or a lease option or something like that, you have to know what's included in the association fee. That's a really big one. Like the ones I just bought, I've never seen this before. I mean, the condo fees are high compared to the what the property looked like, but it also includes heat and water. Mm-hmm. That's huge. So when I'm renting it out, I can tell people, look, you only have to worry about your electric bill. So this is so I'm going to be able to get top rents because all of that's going to be included. Uh, sometimes they include tennis courts and swimming pools. That might be important to you. It might not be important to you. Uh, and uh, so, and sometimes it includes property taxes, water bills, things like that. So yes, you definitely need to find out what is included in those condo fees. And then you want to look and see at comparable condo complexes what those condo fees are. You know, Vina, you and I were just talking about it. We pretty much know when a mortgage, what our mortgage payment is going to be every year but we don't know for sure what our condo fees are going to be because they will probably go up every year and we don't have as much control over it so that is definitely a, something that you need to put into you know into your numbers mm-hmm. as well as your property taxes mm-hmm. yeah because a low condo fee looks good but if if it's low because they're not taking care of stuff 
<laughs> that's bad. Yes. That's, yes. And, I have one of those. <laughs> yes. And, and I mean, I, I, the, the first condo deal I ever did, which has been about, I guess it's been seven or eight years ago now, uh, was actually in a high rise building. And mm. I learned a lot of lessons with that because on one side of this building, you had this very desirable view of the city and the river. On the other side, mm. you had a view of the parking lot. And oh. as, as I as I started to really analyze, you know, oh, the higher up you the higher up you get in the building, the higher dollars per square foot the same unit will sell for. And if you're on this side, they're not worth as much. And that was all great stuff. But the thing that the thing that really floored me was that fees were incredibly they seemed incredibly high to me. They were they were five to seven hundred dollars per unit. And mm-hmm. these like one bedroom units, okay? And and then I found out it included heat, it included water, it included insurance. It wow. inc- yeah, and, and it included property taxes. So basically, your condo fee there was really nothing else for you to pay. I mean, if, if you had if you had air conditioning, that was electric and that wasn't covered. So, other, but other than that, everything was going to be covered. So. Um, the, the, they turned out to be great deals. Um, I wholesaled them and ended up making about $30,000 on the three of them. And after that, I thought maybe condos were something that I would not ignore in the future. Yeah. <laughs> we need to take another... Money talks. Exactly. We need to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the downsides, things to look out for. And we're also going to take your questions about investing in condos. I know that a lot of you have, you've looked at these, you've tossed them around, you've maybe rejected them because you weren't sure what to do with them. If you have questions, stories to share, comments, give us a call at 877-772-9658 or uh, just send me an email. It's askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Linda Baumgarten from... Connecticut from the Hartford area. She's an author, coach, investor, leader of CT RIA. And we're talking today about uh, her adventures in investing in condos. So uh, the, uh, let me, 877 is the number to call in with any questions you might have. The email is askvena, that's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com. And uh, this is this is your big day to ask any kind of condo questions that you might have, because um, Linda knows a whole lot more about it than I do. I've done a total of maybe five or six condos ever in my entire life, so this is this is the right person to ask. So uh, again, let's go back to this buying criteria thing, um, sure. Linda, because I'm trying I'm trying to paint a picture for folks about what your experience tells you is the best kind of building. So professional management. Sure. Over 50 units, um, something you can get a good value on by just, you know, comping. Um, what about, like, size? Do you like, would you do a one-bedroom or do you only like two or more bedrooms? That's a great question. So, uh, you know, I used to only want two or three-bedroom ones, but I've found that people stick into one-bedroom uh, for a very long time. I have one tenant who's been with me, I think, for seven years in a one-bedroom uh, condo, and they are not moving ever. Mm. So I think uh, I, I think you have to look at your own market and see what the demand or the people is. I think that if you only have one-bedrooms, there's a lot less wear and tear on the unit themselves than if, you, if they're larger, uh, you know, so that's something. Uh, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, I think you're looking from two different angles. If you want to buy, fix, and sell real estate, 
then you're looking for the resale. So you, on that, it's really, really important to find out if somebody uh, is making an offer, will they be able to get a mortgage? So for that, key factors are, are, are there enough, is there enough money in reserves? Is there um, the homeowner association, are they collecting their dues every single month, or are there a lot of delinquencies? Uh, are they keeping up with capital improvements? These are really, really important to, and there is a, there is a website for uh, FHA um, to check out your condo complex. And uh, Vina, I can put a, a blog article on your your site there, and I'll I'll post up the link so people can look oh, up great. a condo complex yeah, to see if it's FHA approved. It does, if it's not on the list, they could still get conventional financing, but they're going to have, uh, but they can't get the first time home buyers. The other thing is, you know, we're flipping two uh, really high-end uh, condos that are going for now close to $400,000, and the condo fees are about $800 a month, believe it or not. But they have multiple uh, swimming pools and golf courses, and this is for high-end people. And so, uh, so, if you're, so that's what you're looking for. You know, who, who's, who's going to buy it from you, and then you know what kinds of materials you need to put in to the property so it sells quickly. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to buy and hold, then you, you want to make sure that you are allowed to rent out the units or do creative financing, and, uh, and then you want st- stability. You know, you want to go there at 7 in the morning. Are people getting up and going to work? You know, go there at 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Are people hanging out causing trouble? Or, again, are they entertaining their children? And, you know, is it a good environment because tenants are just as smart as homeowners and they want the best for their families? So you want to make sure it's a nice, safe community for you to be in, and you want to make sure that it's stable enough that your condo fees are not going to go flying high when you turn around. So I think those are a couple of key criteria there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. And uh, uh, as you said, as you sort of said there, a lot of that can be determined by driving the property. Yes, yes. I don't believe in buying halfway across America And that's just a personal prejudice on my part. So I know lots of people do it, but I like buying where I can see, touch, and feel the property um, and that I have people, you know, eyes and ears on the ground, you know, keeping me informed as to what's going on. So I think that's really, really important. Now, yes, I did just buy in a new market, but I have family there, and I plan to be there quite a lot. And I found a really good property management company who will keep eyes and ears on there for me. But first, I drove the community. I hung out there, went there many, many times, and I talked to the local handyman that's there, and I talked to the other contractors, and I talked to this lady who's Miss Johnson, and she brings her grandkids around, and they're picking up any pieces of trash in the community. I talked to the postal carrier to find out what's going on there. So I spent enough time to really understand the community and what's going on mm-hmm. and what are the good things about it and the challenges about it. Like I said, this is a turnaround situation, and so I'm going to be patient with it and, and make money over time. So, yeah, it drives the property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I haven't said that yet. Do that. <laughs> and one of the one um, of the interesting things about, about condo communities, um, I, I don't know if you have these up in Hartford, but we've got areas in Cincinnati where there was just a lot of condo building in the 70s and 80s. So, so yeah. what, what you have yeah. is um, discrete, they're discrete parking lots, right? You might have five or six buildings <laughs> built around a pool or something like that, but each one is actually separately managed. 
So, over, mm-hmm. you know, and they look all the same. I mean, they look like exactly the same buildings, and they, you know, you 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 but drive through different associations exactly, yeah. and they're all different associations. And and what you find is that some of them have good reputations, and some of them have bad reputations, and and you can't. You can't get that without actually talking to people. And when I, I this build the one condo that I actually bought and am holding uh, long term, um, I dodged a bullet because a lot of people, when I put it up for rent, a lot of people would call up and they'd say, "Is that one in the <laughs> Rocking Horse complex?" And I'd say, "No, it's the one next door." And they say, "Oh, good, because you know Rocking Horse, that's full of drugs and prostitution." I, yep. I, I don't even yep. know if it's true. But right. <laughs> they perceive that it's true, <laughs> and yeah. and and nobody, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, I don't want to live in that one." And and to me, they look exactly the same. Yes, well, just like yeah, just like neighborhoods. Uh, and you know, you mentioned uh, land contracts. I think that condos are really great opportunities for creative financing because of the some of the situations we've talked about. Sometimes people. Get, uh, a lot of people own their condo units free and clear for whatever reason. Uh, they might have downsized or whatever the reason is, or maybe they were an investor. So if somebody owns something free and clear, a lot more opportunity for creative financing. Also, sometimes they're just stuck. You know, they can't sell it because of the factors we talked about earlier today. So if they know they can't sell it outright at a good price, they might be open to you making, uh, you know, say, look, I'll pay you $500 a month until I'm done paying it. Or taking over payments, you know, if if that's possible with the, you know, with that contract. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would don't be afraid to ask, and don't be afraid to lowball the offer. I don't worst they can say is no. Oh, here's another thing that happens with condos is that a lot of times single people will buy a condo and then they get married, or then they have kids, and now they want to move to a single family house, and. Uh, their choice is to be a long-term landlord and they weren't planning to be that because they couldn't get the price they wanted or you come along and you could either offer them cash to get rid of the situation or to you buy it on a lease option and sell it on a lease option so don't be afraid to ask these kinds of creative questions and get some good deals on these properties Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it happens that the reason i do own the one that i own was that i i did buy it with owner financing. I was like, oh, I'm not giving (laughs) this up. That's right. So, that's right. So talk to people, look, um, know what your, know what your exit strategy is, as would be the case with any uh, property that you were considering buying. Um, I've got a question here from Robert, who is from Orlando. He says, we seem to have a lot of properties that might have been built as apartment buildings in the 1950s or 60s and yep. then were turned into roughly 12 units. Uh, generally, they're all one-bedroom units. They have an open staircase. I see this kind of property over and over and over again. Do you think this would be a good type of condo to look at for investment? Yes, I, that happens a lot. I, I own one unit in a 10-unit building. Let me tell you, it is a pain in the neck because when I talked about personalities, they don't all want to raise their condo fees to take care of it. And fortunately, we have one owner who's a great contractor, and he's willing to wait for payment as he makes improvements. So, again, you know, the more the merrier. I would also look at building codes because building codes have changed over time, and these are commercial properties. So the open staircase thing that you talked about, you better check in with the fire department to make sure – that you're not going to have any issues with that. 
Um, but yeah, there are a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. We need to take one last break. When we come back, we're going to uh, answer questions that are coming in here at askvina at gmail.com. And also your questions. Call 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Linda Baumgarten about condo investing, a topic that we have really not covered here on real life real estate. Um, now, Linda, you, you mentioned that some condos, you actually, you retail them. You, you buy them, fix yeah. them, and sell them like you would a, a single family yeah. home. And other ones are more rental type properties. How, how, do you, how do you decide? Is it is it about the area? Is it about whether there's already a lot of rentals in the building? Is it about price range? Uh... Yeah, I don't have a real good answer on that one. It's just what I want to do. It's what <laughs> I'm looking for at the mo- moment, I think. <laughs> That's why I went to work for myself. By God, was to do whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, um, you know, the, the nice thing about it is if you don't find a buyer, you can rent them out pretty quickly. So that's kind of a nice thing. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we have a we actually have a question here from Brandon who is mm-hmm. in Atlanta, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's cool. interesting because you uh, had this question on your list of questions as well. He says, "I am confused about what the difference is between a condominium and a co-op. Can she shed any light on this?" Yeah, absolutely. So, a, with a condominium, you actually own a piece of real estate, and. At, each owner owns the unit that they have. With a co-op, you are buying shares in a corporation, so you actually do not own real estate. It tends to be that co-ops are worth less than condominiums because of that. And the other thing is there's something called a PUD. One of my students bought one of those, which is a planned unit development, and they run a lot like a condo, but the it's a little bit different. Like, and I don't know the definition of that, but that's another one that's similar to condos, and you want to buy them the kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and we have we have something uh, here in Cincinnati. Really, only interestingly, only kind of on the suburban loop. We don't see these so much <laughs> in the city, but um, land dominiums. Which uh, is yeah, I've heard of those, yeah. yeah, I own I own I own everything inside the walls, but I also own the postage stamp size piece of land that my condo sits on. <laughs> so oh really? <laughs> yes. So there are there are there are various. Um, uh, there are dockominiums. If you own that down, if you are down by the marina, you can mm-hmm. buy a dock as a condo mm-hmm. dockominium. They call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most of these things. And I mean, it is a it is a really great question, Brandon, because. If you don't understand, you should find out before you even consider buying because some, sometimes these actually do have different implications as to your control and how much yeah. your ownership might be worth. And you might not be able to compare a co-op that's exactly the same size and square footage and construction as yours with a condo that sold next door. So. Um, Google yep. is always very helpful with this sort of thing, and this, you know, this sort of definition. Uh, we also have a question here from Sandra in Fort. Well, this isn't really a question so much as it is a, co- a uh, comment. She says, here in Florida, 
a condo association lien is what's called a super lien. It actually comes before every other lien, including mortgages. So there's a big business here in buying yes. condo liens and then foreclosing on the condos to get them. Has your uh, has your presenter ever had experience with this? Not exactly, but yes. Uh, here, condos are only allowed to collect nine months of back fees. So they are very aggressive. They're much more aggressive than the banks in foreclosing on the units. And there have been from time to time where the banker bank was asleep and the condo, uh, condo association foreclosed on the property and then the, uh, the bank had to buy them out. Hmm. So, yeah, it, that can definitely happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, that's- and it also means you better pay your condo fees because legal fees add up really, really quick. Yes. And... Um- Sandra, or uh, for folks who are listening, um, it is not the case that that uh, condo liens are super liens in every state. As a matter of fact, I understand it's a minority of states. So that's another thing to check out before you go running down the path of, ooh, I'm going to go buy some condo paper because maybe... Uh, I know you're a big uh, you're a big marketer, Vina, and so there's two hints for for marketing to condos. One is to reach out to the condo associations, especially like the private boards, and say, hey, you, you know, if you have any troublesome people, I'd be happy to take those off your hands and make them into payments for you. So reach out to either the board or to the management and see if you can make some headway with them. The other thing is, uh, I don't know if you've ever used this, through the United States Postal Service, there's every door direct, Mm -hmm. and their postage is half of what it normally is, and you just put a carrier route, and you develop a postcard to say, we buy condos, call me, and you could send it out to every single resident in that condo complex for printing is probably five cents a postcard, and the postage is, I don't know, 20 cents, 29 cents, something like that. And that's done through every door direct at the United States Postal Service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Uh, we are running short on time here, Linda. So I want to make sure that we get through uh, my list of questions. We could probably sure. take one or two more listener questions uh, at askvina at gmail.com. Let's talk about um, tax and insurance issues. I assume condos are just like any other piece of real estate as far as the IRS is concerned. Like I can depreciate it, all of that good sort of thing. Because that is real land, yes. Okay. Uh, Of course, I'm not an accountant, but that's my understanding. (laughs) Okay. What about about insurance? Because this is is a little Mm. weird because it's not quite a single family home. I know how to insure that. And it's not an apartment building where I have to insure the roof and stuff, that's not my responsibility. So how does the insurance work? That's a great question. So the complex as a whole will have their master insurance policy. And before you buy it, you want to talk to the insurance agent and get a certificate of insurance. And my lender wanted to make sure it was replacement value. So you want to find out about that, which means if you have a claim, they'll pay the whole thing. And then, then they have condo insurance, which insures the inside of the condo, so the walls, the floors, the, your appliances, and it also will cover you for any slip and falls inside the unit. And so that's going to be really, really important if you are renting it out. So your tenant should have their renter's insurance, but you also want to have condo insurance. 
And uh, it's really inexpensive. I mean, I, I just paid $350 for an entire year for condo insurance. Mm, 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 mm. That is, yeah. <laughs> that is it. But then again, they're only insuring what's inside the walls. So yes, exactly. <laughs> I guess. I guess. But it, you know, it could happen if a pipe freezes, right? If a pipe freezes. You know, then it gets kind of iffy. Is it the condo association's insurance responsibility to pay because the pipes burst from somebody else? You know, they should, but should you use your own insurance? So it's worth three hundred twenty to three hundred fifty bucks for me the coverage, and that's a million dollar per occurrence liability. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just cost of doing business. As far as property taxes, that you need to talk to find out from the condo association. Are they paying them? Or are you paying them? And uh, and they're very very small. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to wrap up with your advice for anyone who might want to kind of you know go a little further with this. But I just I wanted to I just got a, a email from JC in Las Vegas who's a Long-time listener, and uh, he says she definitely needs to create a comprehensive course on this. I would definitely <laughs> buy it. <laughs> okay, I will do that. <laughs> so, so I get my marching orders. <laughs> that's right. So, if you were if you were talking to one of our listeners who was saying, "Well, this is really really interesting. I'd like to pursue it further. What's what's kind of the next thing I need to think about or do or learn or research what 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 would you what would you tell them what would your best piece of advice be uh i would just get out and know your market i'd go drive as many different condominium complexes in in your within 20 minutes of where you are and get to know the people there find out who's managing what and uh, and just and then you know do test ads to, like you ran, you run an ad, and if people say, "Oh, I would never live there," then you don't want to buy there. So I think I would do the local market research. That's mm-hmm. the first thing I would do. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Get in there and start learning. Well, thank you so much for your time, Linda Baumgartner. Sure. Um, great sharing today with uh, somebody who actually knows something about a topic that not many people know about. So uh, look forward to. Uh, seeing where you take this next and um, appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for doing doing the show and reaching so many people. It's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.